There's less than a month left to secure your ticket for our retail media conference, Remade. We've already announced the teams from Uber, Cartology and Coles360 as among our speakers, sharing their journeys into retail media. Come to Sydney on October the 11th to hear from the most authoritative voices the retail media world has to offer. Go to remade.net.au now. Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, Kyle and Jackie O close in on a big money deal. Amazon tries to clip the ticket on streaming ads. And Nine Radio gets in a tangle. Unmade. It's Monday, September 18. I'm A Beauty and good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe. Did you have a suitably Tasmanian weekend? It was a good weekend, actually. I was thinking of the podcast, as you do on the weekend, thinking, what am I going to talk to Tim about? I was a lumberjack on the weekend. I was busy uh, on the block splitter, splitting firewood and moving firewood around and helping my brother and uh, with uh, hanging out with some of my family doing it. So my, my, my hands, my soft keyboard hands are now calloused. So, okay, a couple of questions to follow, a couple of follow-up questions, which if you'd asked me this five years ago, I wouldn't have had a point of view on this, but I guess now I do. Firstly, so you, you weren't, you weren't chopping, you were just on splitting duty. Do you, were you chopping down trees on the, I, I picture as having some giant property, but I guess maybe you don't have the trees to t- chop down. My, my brother is a fencer and does a lot of work on properties and they were working some massive old half dead gum trees that were in the way. And so they were felled huge old things. So well on the way to be becoming firewood anyway. So he was on the chainsaw, I was on the splitter. They say uh, a man that chops his firewood warms himself twice. So I'll take <laughs> comfort in that. Well, that's true. And final follow-up question on this topic. Um, electric or petrol chainsaw, what's your preference? Uh, my my brother just bought a new one. It was petrol all the way. He, uh, he loves to roar into it. Now, I think petrol. I mean, if you're going to ruin the serenity, you might as well do it in style. Yeah, look, I, I must admit, I do feel, I, I, I feel slightly kind of um, uh, like I'm not quite the real deal with my kind of battery powered chainsaw. I know it's not quite as, uh, it, it lacks the power. Yeah, I do have one of those. That's a, that's a hobbyist chainsaw, Tim, though. So uh, we're hanging out with the big boys now. We're in the, we're in the game. But um, Sedja, good morning to you as well. Sorry, we're chainsaw talk this morning. How Sedja Alzadi, good morning. How, how was your weekend? Yes, Sedja, what's your favourite sort of chainsaw? <laughs> I don't have one yet. I need to uh, have a sabbatical for at least a year in Tasmania before I can provide an appropriate answer. But I had a great weekend. I wasn't about to let it be hampered by this horrible heat wave. Uh, I'm much like Nigella Lawson in this regard. I'm sunphobic. So I refuse to let 45 degree weather ruin my mood. Did you hit the water and go swimming at all? Absolutely not. I've got a pool in my apartment, but I'm still not ruining my porcelain skin in the sun. <laughs> and um, luckily there was no uh, heatwave to contend with in Tasmania. Now, hey, where should we start this week? Well, Tim, you uh, you missed the heatwave. I had a, another few days in Sydney last week. Let's start there. How's the upfront season going? Yeah, something that struck me about upfronts um partly when i was i was writing saturday's uh, best of the week newsletter is every single event google or parent company alphabet 
has a hand in in some way. So, for instance, I went, um, you know, most of the events I was at last week were, were upfronts related, but not all of them. I went to the IAB's Measure Up conference and one of the more interesting presos that I saw there came from a, a couple of um, uh, Google execs who've been looking at the use of behavioral economics in the kind of the, the online purchase process. Then there was uh, Independence Day, which was the run by the Digital Publishers Alliance. And that was um, a whole series of sort of six minute pitches from a bunch of the online publishers. But again, this is an event um, mainly funded, well, nowadays by Canva as well, but mainly funded by Google and the Google News Initiative. Um, Initially, the Digital Publishers Alliance have been set up with some some meta or Facebook money as well, but they've since pulled back. Um, and then I was on to Brandcast, YouTube's event. Uh, YouTube, of course, owned by Google. You know, and very much that was the, the the place where the case was being made for taking the money away from television and putting it into YouTube instead. So it definitely felt like uh, one of those weeks where you were never you were never far from thinking about google i I saw the quote you or the photo you posted was it 42 percent of australians don't watch linear tv that's a big statement to make (laughs) it's all about the asterisks you really have to get that photograph right and uh yeah this was the photograph of uh mel silver on stage the local boss of google with that in very large letters and then if you zoom in really hard you can see the source which was um, a survey of, you know, questions asked to the audience. Um, So it's certainly uh, nowhere near as robust as, for instance, Oztam ratings. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I suspect, and, you know, I'm hearing on the grapevine that this will probably happen. There is going to be some pushback from the radio networks because to me, it was such a, the whole thing was such a kind of, aggressive attempt to take a slice out of tv and we've already seen the outdoor industry do it we've seen news corp talk about how they wanted to do it um but yeah this one was there was just a tiny part of me thinking you know this is google depending how you work it out they're just youtube is probably taking you know maybe 1.5 billion or 2 billion dollars out of the local market how much more do you want and then on Friday, you were both at R Media's Ignite Upfront. Said you will start with you. What were your impressions? It was another girl power oriented upfront. What I noticed is that there was a very evident pivot towards authenticity and relatability and away from aspirational content, which has always been the traditional allure of magazines, particularly women's magazines, which are so centered on aspirational consumerism. And After dwelling on it for a little, I realised, particularly in the wake of the pandemic, we've seen media brands ram this promise of authenticity and authentic content down our throats. And perhaps because there's such a glut of media and certainly overconsumption of it in the last few years as people spent disproportionate amounts of time at home. Uh, So it was kind of a stark pivot in my eyes. I've not been to an RMD upfront in the past, so I don't really have like a reference point to compare it to, though. Yeah, my question or thought on sort of authenticity or or trust is I sort of understand why publishers and other mediums talk about it Um, because, uh, you know, I think having audience trust is quite important to them. Um, It was interesting because, you know, as I say, I was at Independence Day 
and several of the, the, the publishers and their sort of six minute prezos all also hit on this question of trust, having audience trust. And I suppose one of the, yeah, one, one, you know, one of the, the, the things that strikes me is, yes, that's super important, but is it also kind of table stakes? You know, should we, should we really be assuming that most, you know, most publishers or, or, or even most kind of media where there's content behind it, you know, doesn't that, there, there, there essentially have to be a kind of audience trust. So I, I wonder whether with the advertising market, it's kind of assumed. So it, it doesn't then become the point of interest when you're potentially trying to win over advertisers. Well, when the word trust has become so diluted, what does it even mean anymore? What other messages did you kind of take away from the R Media event? Well, I was thinking about it. I, I think the thing that which I found most useful from the event was this really is the first time I've had an opportunity to actually hear from the management of R Media since they became R Media. So Jane Huxley has been the boss for, or I think a bit more than a couple of years now. Um, our media is the last magazine company standing, really, certainly at scale. So they were bought by Mercury Capital um, while the pandemic was at its height when when Bauer Media decided they wanted to get out of Australia. Um, and it, it, you know, what's left now is the publishing operations of, of Bauer Meter and Media and also Pacific Magazines. So for me, what I'd been anticipating hearing was a story about how we're now an e-commerce company and we're a social commerce company and you know that's our future that's where we're going um and to a certain extent that 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 did come through during the day but actually mostly it was leaning into being a magazine company now obviously you know you know magazines are as disrupted as any other medium but it was kind of reassuring in a in a funny way to actually just hear that they're not running away from being a magazine company because i i suppose from a from a distance and you know they 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 had been not that keen on kind of just talking above the parapet um i'd sort of assumed they were trying to get out of magazines so it was actually quite nice to hear that no they're still uh, still leaning in next Kyle and Jackie O close in on the biggest deal in radio history. Unmade. Tim, let's jump into a story from the weekend and a radio nerd like myself uh, loves this kind of news. Kyle and Jackie O closing in on a $200 million deal. Tim, where's this one come from? Well, we'll have read about it right across the News Corp titles, but it originated with Annette Sharp in the Saturday Telegraph out of uh, out of Sydney. Um, so uh, her take is that this will be a 10-year deal that they're, 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 they're looking to sign. So really it will, in theory, take them through to the point at which one or both of them retire. Um, now, how we get to that 200 million, obviously, is across 10 years. Um, so I suppose that whichever network signs that deal will, will, will actually be keeping their fingers crossed for uh, raging inflation over the next years so that that number goes down a bit quick or the pain of that number goes down. Um, now, 
Um, the 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 argument they're making really is that they're one of the few talent lineups that has um, the audience attraction and the firepower to actually change the fortunes of a network. That's what happened when they left um, Southern Cross Stereos, uh, Today FM, and moved across to Australian Radio Network to help them launch Kiss FM. Um, and the other fascinating thing about this this deal is a really big part of it would appear to be genuinely networked nationally FM. So if you were uh, one one of the kind of uh, breakfast FM lineups elsewhere in the country for ARN, particularly on the KISS network, you'd be pretty nervous about your contract because you're you're probably going to lose it. And uh, again, the Telegraph, maybe with a little bit less weight, does also make the argument that um, there are a, a, a lot of jobs that could go to cut the costs to make this happen. Um, so, uh, so yeah, in, in, certainly an interesting dynamic for radio, this one. It feels like it could be the, you know, the the last big radio deal. I was talking to someone in radio a couple of weeks ago and it was, we were saying it's extraordinary that uh, Kyle and Jackie are still pulling the numbers they are on a CHR you know, contemporary hits format Considering it's usually that you know new younger talent coming through, these guys taking them up to retirement, yet they're still big on that kind of a and that format. It's just extraordinary. I don't know if that's anywhere in the world uh, has been replicated. Yeah, look, I suppose the um, only one um, which which comes to mind, uh, perhaps out of the US, is Howard Stern. Um, who, you know, has got this dedicated following. Now, obviously, the radio market is very different in the US, including how um, the content is actually delivered. But I think, yeah, you're, you, you're right about the, 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 the hits format not, na- not being the natural fit for certainly the demo. No, I suppose the one thing is it's a... I suspect people are tuning in for the conversation, not the music. Which, which really, I mean, is it talent? Is it, is it sheer talent? They can, you know, command this kind of a figure. Is it the ratings purely on ratings and pulling power? What is it that gives them this kind of bargaining power, Tim? I think it's all of those things. Um, you, you, you can't be this successful for this long without being both talented. And I'm talking about both of them, Carl Sanderlands and Jackie Henderson. Um, you know the, the 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 role Jackie plays. I think is sometimes to the outside world underplayed a bit, um, but that's natural talent. But there's also just the skill, the fact they've honed their craft for so long. Mm. Then there's just that connection with their audience, which has gone for a long time as well. So that you know that that again is something which becomes a bargaining chip. So will this deal happen? One way or the other, this deal will happen, and when it does it will be the biggest in radio history. Kyle and Jackie O'Hara, this century's most successful radio broadcasters, and the deal will reflect that. But the main thing to consider is whether the deal is them staying where they are or going back to Southern Cross or Stereo. And there's a little bit more on the AFR this morning on this. Yeah, they speak to um, Jackie Henderson in the AFR and um, 
there's a quote from her, which is intriguing. So bear in mind, they, they have an existing contract which runs till the end of next year. So this shouldn't be that imminent. But the quote from her is, the best thing to say at this point is that there are definitely wheels in motion and there probably will be some type of announcement fairly soonish. So read into it what you will, what fairly soonish means. And still on radio, Tim, there's a piece in the Australian today. Nine Radio have gotten themselves into a bit of a tangle. Yeah, that's right. So Nine Radio um, own the talk stations around Australia. Um, so in particular, you know, we, 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 we know it for the market leaders of 3AW in Melbourne and 2GB in Sydney. Um, now, for a long time, there have been rules around... Um, personal deals that presenters have with advertisers and sponsors and making sure they're declared publicly so this goes back to the the whole cash for comment um saga of oh gosh john laws i think was the uh the yeah john the laws and uh, i think maybe um maybe was I, I forget now whether alan jones got caught in it or not but it was about 20 years or so ago um, it was a big expose by Media Watch at the time. So that means that presenters have to declare it. Now, this is a story the Australian been chasing for a couple of weeks that Jackie Felgate, who's um, coming fully onto the schedule at 3AW uh, next year in the shuffle that's going on there, has a whole bunch of personal endorsements, which, you know, up to now she's been doing on social media and Instagram. Um, now, obviously, there's just an ick factor of journalists taking these sort of deals personally anyway but we we won't get into that the um the australians describing it as a fiasco um which maybe is a bit much when it's just uh, they've they've been slow to make some disclosures and they there's since been some disclosures of paid partnerships for some other um hosts as well around the rest of the network um i I'm not sure it quite reaches fiasco territory, to be honest. I, th- I think it, it it feels like it's more parked in an administrative oversight territory. But, but you know, sometimes that's how fiascos start. So I guess we'll keep an open mind. But for now, I'm in oversight territory. And just my last question for this segment, for Sedger and for you, Tim, uh, you're both trained journalists. When you go to a journalist school, do they give you a list of huge words that make big statements that you don't usually use in everyday life, but you can use in a headline? Is that, is that how it works? <laughs> I'll let you answer that one first, Sedger, along with an appropriate word. <laughs> I can confidently tell you I've learned absolutely nothing about journalism in journalism school. This is a whole other topic in, unto itself. But wow. Yeah, you don't learn how to create sensationalist headlines. The the journalism degrees have all become this weird sort of amalgamation of like content creation, social media strategy and just media theory analysis. That may be a good thing, though, because there there is that cliche of you read words and headlines that you'd never hear. You know, you always used to my thing always used to be if you wouldn't say it in the pub, why? Why say it in the headline? You never sit down and say to your mates, guess who slammed such and such this week? Um or impacted is that over you? Yeah. What's, yeah. what's another? Uh, yes, one? that's another. That's another one. And, and 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 often, yes, it's just taking a word that really shouldn't be a verb and turning it into a verb. Next, Amazon's brush with the broadcasters. Unmade. 
There never seems to be an easy day for the TV companies at the moment. Now Amazon is trying to grab a slice of their advertising revenue. That's in today's AFR, Tim. Yeah, that's right. So um, they've they've managed to interest the government in uh, saying that it's concerned about these recently announced plans. The news only broke at the end of last week that um, Amazon is asking for a 30% cut of advertising when the major broadcasters provide programming through its Fire TV streaming device. Now, I suppose the thing to bear in mind here is, is certainly in Australia, it's a relatively small number of people actually do their streaming via the Amazon Fire Stick, as it's sometimes called. I was going to say, what what is the Fire device for, pardon the ignorance, but I, I'm not aware of it. Yeah, it's much like, um, I, I guess I would think of it as similar. Do you remember the Chromecast? Well, it still exists, the Chromecast. So it's it's similar to that. So... I think, you know, people who are deeply within the, you know, as, as an audience who are deeply within the Amazon um, kind of ecosystem, particularly if they get their, um, uh, their, their Amazon, um, video as part of their Amazon Prime subscription, for instance, they might be more likely to have one, but it's, it's instead of some, you know, another box, um, it predated, I suppose, the wide adoption of smart TVs as the sort of, you know, the the, the, the central navigation process. So, um, so yeah, like, you know, according to some of the coverage I've read in recent days, maybe only a three or 4% market share. But of course, if you think about TV networks who see their whole future as being about streaming and the, you know, the advertising that goes alongside it, to then be having to hand over um, 30% of their revenues, then that's pretty scary for them as a principal. And of course, this is the question is, this is just Amazon. But if Amazon gets away with it, then, you know, what's to stop the the, the TV manufacturers um, wanting to do the same thing? And it's a, it's a bit like, um, you know, the... The, the the ecosystem of the Apple Store, where app manufacturers are asked to hand over thirty percent, and you know, it's not some natural law that says thirty percent, as they were pointing out on the Pivot podcast the other day. That was just made up by Steve Jobs at some point. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a it would be a hefty amount and um, a he- another hefty drag on the broadcasters and the networks um you know who are the ones who are spending all of that money making the content 30 percent seems like a big old slice well that's it for today we'd love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media that's letters at unmade.media and said you'll be back tomorrow with choose data looking at the advertising spend of the big grocery retailers in the wake of the cost of living crisis Don't forget, if you want to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. See you next time. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.